despite the fact that God loves us and that He did everything He did, most people will still desire to keep on doing those things that cause their own eternal perdition rather than seeking to do what is necessary for their eternal good. And that's why this spiritual blindness occurs and it is hardly ever remedied. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. We'll be talking today about God's love. God's love is not difficult to understand or intended to be elusive. The problem is not God, but rather mankind. God is the purest form of true love. The problem with understanding His love lies in our disposition, in our willingness to desire more carnality than the spiritual and eternal. The intent of our heart is what makes understanding God's love so difficult. If a person can get past their sinful desires, their carnality, not only will they understand God's love, but they will come to love God as He deserves to be loved. Today's message is inspired on Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 34. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy Lord, hallowed and glorified be your name. Blessed are you, O Lord, forever and ever. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus, O Lord, that you please forgive my sins, that you please, O Lord, have mercy on us. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you may give us the enlightenment that we need. Help us to see things clearly. Help us to get beyond, O Lord, our flesh, our sinful desires, O Lord, so that we could see what you do that much more clearly. Lord God, to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage is in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 34. This is the word of the Lord. Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit on. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. I would venture to say that most people in the world know that Jesus Christ existed and that he died on the cross for them. But even though they know this fact, most people do not understand what really happened. Similar to the disciples back then, most people don't fully understand what the cross of Jesus Christ really meant. The reason why both the disciples back then and most people today do not understand what happened at Calvary is because the Holy Spirit was not then in the disciples, nor now in most people. Regarding the disciples back then and prior to the death and resurrection of the Lord, the Holy Spirit had not entered their lives yet. During the Lord's time here on earth, He was the one that was keeping the disciples, if you will. That is why Jesus Himself prayed this prayer in the Gospel of John where it says, While I was with them, speaking of the disciples, in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Many people make the mistake and think that this passage refers to all of us that have come after, but that is not the case. The Lord, while here on earth, kept the disciples, those that had decided to follow him 
except Judas Iscariot, who chose to betray him. And so the Holy Spirit had not entered the disciples until after the resurrection, when the Lord himself breathed the Holy Spirit on them. In John chapter 20, it says, So Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. After this is that the disciples started to understand all of the things that needed to happen. And that's the only way anyone can come to understand more clearly the things of God through the Holy Spirit. It's not a question of intellect. Certain things can be understood intellectually, but deeper, more divine things cannot be understood without the Holy Spirit's enlightening and guidance. The other reason why the disciples could not understand before and why many people cannot understand now is because their disposition was more carnal-based. People are more willing to think carnality than spiritually. That's their natural inclination. And carnality goes completely against what is spiritual. We see this very example when Peter tries to persuade Jesus in not going through the sacrifice. This is what we read in Matthew chapter 16, where it says, From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Was Peter possessed? Not exactly. Peter had enough knowledge to know physically what was going to happen, but his mindset was not there and voluntarily. His intentions were carnal. He was ultimately being influenced by the devil and thereby doing the devil's bidding rather than supporting God's will. He was thinking selfishly. Any inclination that is dictated by carnal desires is a product of satanic influence. Sin resides in the desires or the lust of the flesh. We should not so easily point the finger at Peter because most people have the same issue. And that's why there is a general issue with understanding the things of God because there is too much carnality in the way people think and feel. Ultimately, most people are looking to fulfill their will rather than looking to fulfill God's will. And everything else stems out of that. Our decisions are always based on where our heart is. And if our heart is being run by the influence of sin, of doing our will, then our decisions will always go against God's will. And there can be no understanding of the things of God if that is the case. And so this is something we need to understand. God is not necessarily trying to hide things from us. Things become hidden to us when our heart is not in the right place. Just like God doesn't go away from us necessarily, God is constant, immovable. When our heart is not in the right place, we move away from God. Our decisions, our thought process, everything starts taking us away from God when our heart is not right with the Lord. Now, what finally happened on the cross? It was the most horrifying experience any person could ever go through. Yet the most beautiful picture and example of love, mercy, and grace that could have ever existed. It's amazing that something so horrendous could in turn be so wonderful at the same time. We had a sin problem that we brought upon ourselves, each one of us, for all the sin that we have committed and fall short of the glory of God. 
We can blame Adam and Eve for disobeying God and that through them is that sin entered the world and became part of our physical essence. But we cannot blame them for our own sins committed. We have all sinned voluntarily and willfully, no matter how good you think you are or how better you think you are than everyone else around you. We have all sinned. And because of our willingness to sin, we have become enemies of God. When we have not repented and converted from all of our sins and pleaded for Jesus Christ to be our Lord, we do not belong to God. No one is born being a child of God. The only ones that are given the right to be children of God are the ones that receive the Lord, as it is written, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And yet, despite the fact that we were God's enemies, God chose, elected, and decided to love us, to love the world, rather than just destroying everything and starting over. He chose to give us a way to salvation by sacrificing his most valued person, his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. As it is written, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In order to understand fully what God did through Jesus Christ, we need to understand the reality that hell is a real place, that it exists, and it is the most horrible, awful, you name it, place that it could ever be. And that whoever is judged and sent there stays there for all eternity, not for five minutes or five hours or even a few days. It's an eternal sentence. Whether you agree with it or not, hell was everyone's destiny until Christ died on the cross and was raised at the third day. And so if it were not for God, we would all have hell to look forward to once this life is over. But praise God Almighty that that is not the case. What had to be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ? Isaiah 53 tells us of what needed to happen to him. For it says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, 
He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What happened through Jesus Christ was a miracle, the greatest miracle that could have ever happened. And the answer to our eternal problem, God acted on our behalf to deal with our problem and put salvation and eternal forgiveness within our reach. And I can't stress this enough. He did it out of his own free will. This is the measure of God's love. So when you think about it and put things in very simple terms, it's easier to understand what God did and what his sacrifice was going to mean for each of us. We have a very big and eternal problem and we can't fix it ourselves. And God took it upon himself to give us the only possible solution. Jesus Christ died for all mankind. We just need to repent and convert from all of our sins, the very things that are the cause of our eternal condemnation and surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ to effectively and literally make Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives and to live under that dominion, belonging to God and doing his will. That's the decision that is left for us to make. But herein lies the general problem. Despite the fact that God loves us and that he did everything he did, most people will still desire to keep on doing those things that cause their own eternal perdition rather than seeking to do what is necessary for their eternal good. And that's why this spiritual blindness occurs and it is hardly ever remedied. It is easy to understand God's love. The concept is very simple. So simple a child can understand it. Yet there are problems that people just don't want to deal with in order to understand what is necessary for their own good. For some, it's a problem of faith or believing that things are what they are. They don't want to believe that hell exists. They don't want to accept that what they are doing is wrong. They don't want to do God's will, even if it's for their own good. And most don't want to assume any responsibility for their actions. It's ultimately problems that have to do with disbelief, rebellion, dismissal, and or just plain foolishness, none of which have anything to do with plain comprehension. And here is the ultimate view at God's love. Because God loves us, there is such a thing as free will. Free will is what makes choice possible. And in love, there is no obligation. Despite the fact that God loves us, he does not want to force us to be with him. He provides the general knowledge necessary so we can understand and the circumstances so we can see that we need him. But he will never force anyone to be with him. Love is voluntary. He has put the means and the way of salvation within our reach. But we must be willing to decide for that, ultimately for him, out of our own free will. This is what the word of God has to say about choice as it is written. For this commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us? and that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, 
that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. He calls it a commandment, but his word is really instruction, if we wanted to use a more modern term. The word of God is the instructions on how to have eternal life. This commandment that he gave to love the Lord is the main instruction. It's the foundation for everything, which brings us to the final point. God loves us, and he has displayed his love in all kinds of different ways and unmeritedly. We do not deserve his love. He is not obligated to love us. He is God, and there is nothing that can force him, compel him, or least of all, command him to do anything. He chose to love us out of his own free will. But what he is looking for is justice because he is a just and righteous God. And the fairest thing we can do for him is love him and to the same extent. It's all really about being fair. God is looking for us to be fair with him. That's the bottom line. We are free to choose our eternal destination. But although God is love, within that love, there is also justice because true love, not what we think is love, is justice. True love is righteousness. True love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. God is ultimate truth and the purest form of love. And because of that, we will be judged according to that same truth and love. If we are fair with him by loving him above all things, we will not only be able to pass his final judgment through the Lord Jesus Christ, but also... We will receive his eternal reward and purpose. But as it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. True love is completely selfless. God's love is the prime example of that. But because love exists, justice exists. That's why there is a judgment because at some point, love does require love to be returned. That's why this flawed concept that many people have that God is going to just forgive everything and everyone without any repentance and conversion because his love is so great is wrong. There can be no forgiveness if the way to salvation and forgiveness he has provided is not taken and moreover rejected by people. It is absolutely necessary and required that in order for salvation to occur, there must be 100% complete repentance and conversion from all sin. And of course, accepting Jesus Christ, the only way to salvation, the only way to the Father, as the effective and literal Lord of your life. You can never belong to God if you never give yourself over to Him out of your own free will, willingly. God is love, and in love, nothing is forced. He is not going to impose salvation on us, especially on people that reject him. Everything is based on love, and so everything must be done out of genuine love. That's why we will not only be judged on our actions, but even more importantly, on our intentions, because that is what an all-knowing God is truly after, to see if our love is true in our heart. As it is written in Jeremiah chapter 17, it says, 
The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. God can never be fooled. He will know when a person just seeks after him for convenience or selfish gain. The root of our actions, the reason for why we do everything in this life, must be because we love him with everything we are, because we have learned to love him in a similar way as he has loved us. God created, made, sustains daily living, and now through Jesus Christ, gave a way to salvation to mankind out of love. And in return, his desire is for us to be fair with him, to look to appreciate everything he has done for us, and to return that love to him. Love, truth, and justice are ultimately always together because they are inherently a part of God. God is love, God is truth, and of course, God is justice and righteousness. He is the son of righteousness. There is nothing unfair in God, and so no one will be allowed into his kingdom unless they too have similar characteristics through the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be made spiritually in his likeness and image through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, have you understood God's love for you? And are you at least willing to learn to love him as he deserves to be loved? This is the way all things are fulfilled, just as the Lord said it. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Every single person wants to be loved by the person they have chosen to love. And so we should treat God the way we want to be treated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, I praise you, I worship you, Lord. I love you, Lord God. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your love, for your mercy, for your grace. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because you chose to love us. Heavenly Father, we don't deserve your love. Help us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, to put away, Lord God, the carnality that we have in us, to put away our flesh desires. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to look for you, to seek after you, to learn to love you as you deserve to be loved. Help us to learn how to be fair with you, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, and for everything you did through him. Thank you for the sacrifice on the cross because through his sacrifice is that we can live forever. Thank you again for your love and your kindness. Blessed are you, O Lord God, forever and ever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.